Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Today's guest is Rachel. Rachel's my sister. She had to grow up um, second in line. She is um, brilliant. She's, um, you know, the biggest mark against her is that she's my sister. And she has a really valuable perspective. She's a feminist. Uh, she, she, I think, brings a really healthy perspective to, to this men's health podcast. Yeah, uh, really interesting conversation. And as Jamie said, interesting perspective on uh, a feminist role when it comes to men talking about mental health. So um, lots of wisdom and gems in there. It was, it was a pleasure to talk with her. And uh, we really hope you enjoyed the, the show. Welcome to Tea Talks. I'm one of your hosts, Topher. And I'm one of your other hosts, Jamie. Each week, we're sitting down with a fellow human to discuss the importance of men talking. Some of our guests are going to have gritty, difficult stories to listen to, and some are going to have stories that might seem a little less intense. So brew yourself a nice cup of tea and listen along. Love you all. Love you all. The way Jamie brought this to me was that you heard about what we're doing, heard about the the, the company and the, the message, and you wanted to come and, and discuss with us your thoughts on it. I may yeah. have overstated that. I, I may have said that she wanted to, but I do I want to. I and I think for very good reason, because I, and I, I, you know, I looked at your questions that you guys had asked and I thought they were like, I mean, for me, they were very intellectually stimulating because they did make me consider why I thought this was a good idea and where I'm coming from. <clears throat> and as like, I self-identify as a feminist, um, and why I would be behind something like this, which is about men's mental health primarily, and what my motivations are. And I feel like your listeners um, deserve to hear it. I feel like you guys deserve to hear it, especially as my brother. You deserve to hear that I think that you guys deserve to honor your feelings and deserve to be vulnerable. And you deserve um, to share and not be um, smacked down for that, that it's showing a strength. So that's... I think that having a feminist come on and say, yes, I support this. Yes, I believe this messaging. And yes, what you're doing actually is feminist. And if someone tells you it's not, they're not a real feminist. That's not real feminism. So. Uh, I, re- I really appreciate that. Jamie, sorry. No, that just, I wish it wasn't HD because she's probably going to make me cry now that she's now that if that's the underlying theme it's going to be like jamie crying in hd just give me a sec i'm going to switch back to the old laptop (laughs) but that's again if if that's where it goes and like i'm not i'm not going to not cry um that isn't that just the whole point yeah it is it is yeah i mean man of t from when i came on was just the reason Tover and I kept talking about it was because we both felt that there was so much to gain. We, we gained so much from talking to each other. Yeah. And. That shouldn't and be unique. It shouldn't it should be, be unique. Global. And it should be, and it shouldn't be as difficult as it is. Like even between us, it's, you know, it was, it could be difficult. It can be difficult even between guys and their very best friends it's difficult to like, be like, man, I am like having panic attacks or I am, you know, lying to my family about, uh, about drugs and, and, and alcohol. Like 
it's tough to talk about that stuff and be yeah. vulnerable. But or even taking it further down. So like, those are things that are happening. Like I'm having a panic attack and I'm lying to my family, but what about like, I feel really sad right now or like yeah. I'm feeling like, like let down by myself or I feel like I'm numb. Everything's coming at me too fast. Like there's, taking even taking the step back from like the the action of it or the behavior of it and like getting to the root of the feeling like that's a hard thing to do i was talking to dad about this beforehand james our dad and uh i said you know like you go to coffee every sunday with a bunch of guys and you sit at java moose i said do you ever sit down and say like man i'm really stressed out about work right now i'm having a tough time and i'm worried about jamie and rachel and you know hazen's always doing great but these two you know and he was like uh, no, they talk about, Oh, did you winterize the boat in time? How are all those leaves? You know, that's yeah. even H- when they Hazen's have the, are, the opportunity. The third, <laughs> Hazen's the third, just to clarify, Hazen's the third brother, the third sibling in this, yeah. uh, he's the, the youngest, he's the youngest and the most successful and, and the best, honestly, oh. he really is the best. Yeah. I often wish that I was friends with him, not you guys. Yeah. You really, <laughs> you picked the wrong one, man. You picked the wrong horse. I know. Hey. Um, Still early in the race. Sometimes you got to pick the runt in the litter, right? Absolutely. God, I hope you mean Jamie. (laughs) I do. I do. Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, no, I think that's a great point, Rachel, that like what, what I was talking about is kind of like reactionary. And your point is that like, it doesn't have to be reactionary. You know, it doesn't have to be that I'm already lying. It can be like, I'm feeling because those things are a consequence of emotions that you're feeling. So if you can get, like my psychiatrist has told me that I have to relearn the language of emotion um, because it's difficult to fight it unless you can name it. Yeah. So working at that with a friend, even if he has a mustache. Um, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that, that, that there's benefit in that. Yeah. You know, and I, yeah. And I just Man, naming you. feelings. It seems so like elementary, but it's such a, like, a, it's a skill. It's not just a talent and it's not innate. It's not something we're all just born being able to do. No. It's a skill we have to practice. Yeah. It's, and it's, it, it's a really interesting point. Sorry, Jamie, to interrupt there. Um, like you're the first female guest we've had talking about this. Um, and we're, like for from our perspective, what we're trying to do is promote men talking about like their mental health. But mm-hmm. even like Jamie and I, it's taken Jamie and I twenty years of knowing each other and a very very close friendship to actually get to the point. Um, I think and I don't think it's because of our our relationship. I think it's just because of where society sits with these things. But it's took took us a long time to get to the point where we're comfortable talking about um called our deficiencies or things that we're dealing with in our life that we're not comfortable with being vulnerable with each other. Yeah. But even still we take a very male approach to it, which is we identify sort of the tangible aspect of what like is, is troubling us. So like, I, I refer to like my anxiety and me having panic attacks, which is still very like, it's a very masculine approach. I don't say like, I'm, I feel scared because if I go to a grocery store, I might like, I might have a panic attack. I don't talk about like the feeling associated with it. I talk about with like the mechanical action of, of having it. And in reality, like the way that made me feel was like terrified, yeah. useless. Um, I like went through like years where I like couldn't go and do the things that I needed to do to support my family 
that were like mundane trivial tasks like literally like i was scared to get my hair cut like all these silly things um but we don't talk about like the feeling associated to it we feel i like i didn't anyway yeah you identify and, like the actions but not necessarily the emotions behind them all yeah yeah which is like yeah it's i mean that's incredibly way more way more valuable i think would you not disagree to like be to to get down to that emotional yeah absolutely and it's hard i think it's like delving deep like there's this great you guys should check it out it's a website called feelingswheel.com like wheel of feelings feelingswheel.com yeah yeah my psychiatrist sent me there Yeah. And it starts out with the the middle emotions on the wheel are like the very basic ones, like bad, happy, angry. And then the next wheel out is like a little more in depth. Like, so, okay. So what does angry even mean? Yeah. Yeah. So the examples I'm I'm just looking at it right now, it's like humiliated, bitter, Mm. you know, uh, frustrated. Okay. Well, let's take that a step further. Like, what does that mean? You're indignant, you're violated, you're jealous, you're provoked, you're betrayed, like more tangible titles and more specific um ways that you can label your feelings to really understand because saying you feel bad means almost nothing at all it's almost the same answer as saying you feel fine yeah yeah, absolutely yeah yeah it's close but it's it's a step in the right direction it's a step in the right direction it's it's trying to drill down into what's really going on like saying you're scared is like a hard thing to say but yeah it far more illuminates to me what your experience was than you saying anxiety and panic attacks scared yeah. is more raw yeah 100 and 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 it's more truthful as well because yeah. like anxiety and panic attacks and depression all those things are like they're very common but they're also very broad yeah um and how one person exi- experiences anxiety is very different from how another person does yeah and they're but, the intellectualized labels right they're not the feelings right mm. right um and when in reality when i sat down with like my business partners i because essentially just to give you like a really really quick timeline what happened was i like where all this stemmed from for me personally was um my daughter was born um we just raised a, a round of financing at the company um uh we'd hired a bunch of people wasn't sleeping and i was just under a huge amount of stress and i was just like pushed myself with stress to a level that i i I had a, I had like a very severe panic attack while at a grocery store it was the first place that it happened. And then it followed on and on and on. Um, Can I it ask took me, yeah, how, how, like how close to your daughter being born that happened? Uh, it would have been within like the first four months. Because it almost sounds like what a lot of women experience, which is postpartum anxiety. Yeah. Huge kick up in anxiety and, and men can have it too. And it's not talked about just one more thing that you guys maybe don't even get to hear about. I barely heard about postpartum anxiety as a, as a mother myself. Um, but yeah, that sounds like, you know, when you bring a creature into the world, your anxiety shoots to the roof. Sorry, oh, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just, I, no, 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 as you're really... talking the timeline, I just thought, holy <laughs> moly, I felt similar when I had my daughter. So, and I didn't, so it, yeah, yeah. So. It's a really, really good point. And I, I've never heard of that in men. Um, yeah. But I mean, now that you mentioned it, my, my period was synced with my wife. And... Mm-hmm. That's a telling <laughs> sign too. We always look for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but that's, a, I mean, I'd heard about that in women for sure. Um, and it was something that like, with both Harrison and Bishop, my, my two children, um, like I was very aware of for Ariana and was like, you were probably I, told I, to keep an eye on. Watch I, absolutely. Out, I was sure just going to say, I kept okay. a close. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I kept a close eye on it, which I, for, for signs and uh, yeah. 
and I'm and with her friends as well as they have children. It's something I'm always like, are you checking in with them? Mm-hmm. And, but I, I never do that with with my guy friends. Yeah. And the stress is real. And I guess our stress is probably maybe maybe it's different because, um, you know, where I think mine was coming from, but I could be wrong for sure. Um, was like the financial side of all of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds like there was a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, who knows, right? Uh, no, I'm sure. I, I guarantee. Gar- you know, I don't guarantee anything, but like, I'm, I'm sure it's a cumulative effect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, it's the same with a woman who who's experiencing it. I'm sure, right? Like, it's yeah. It's the fact that you're responsible for this child, and and the fact that you just raised all this money and are hiring people. Like, that, that sounds. It sounds like to anybody, like that perfect would be storm. A huge, yeah, a, that's a yeah, lot. A huge amount of stress, and that's and that's. Um, and that and like it it breaks my heart to think of you dealing with that alone um so yeah. my heart my heart breaks for everybody and there's so many people and that's why we started this right because there's so many people who are experiencing what Topher went through at some level and don't know that they can talk about it yeah. more than anyone else has ever experienced it yeah yeah um, and it's we just, and it's not not a weakness to talk about it. It's the opposite. It's a strength. Yeah, and absolutely. And and that's that's what happened. Just to conclude my kind of little timeline there. Yes, um, please. Took about probably a year worth of like going to a doctor, getting scans done, like a whole bunch of health stuff done, um, to figure out there's nothing wrong with me. Um, my wife, uh, Ariana, like obviously was incredibly supportive once she found out that it was anxiety, and she was like, "Well, that's like great that we have some sort of an answer." And I was like, yeah. oh, "She doesn't think less of me. That's interesting." Um, and then it took a bit more time before I told my co-founders and my investors in the company, because my next biggest fear was that I was going to get fired because I couldn't handle the stress, um, that I was weak, um, that I wasn't up to the task as a CEO founder. Um, I was going to lose trust within all my employees and and investors, et cetera, just all the fears surrounding that. Absolutely. And the exact opposite happened. Um, and and I I didn't tell them that I I probably didn't tell them that I was scared. Although I, I might have because of the relationship I have with them, mm-hmm. or they would have just realized it. Um, but I, I certainly used the more like intellectual terms, as you put it, Rachel. Um, but that's that's sort of my timeline. And and the reality is, once I started sharing that with people, and I realized there were so many other people dealing with it, I was like, why the fuck are we like so? Why is it behind closed doors? Yeah. Yeah. And like, it just, yeah, it was, it, it was bizarre to me. And now, you know, to, to give you an example of like today's, today's, ex, um, I guess, way of working through it, I was at like a family function on the weekend and sitting around with like a bunch of family members, my, one of my brother-in-laws and I were just openly discussing how we deal with anxiety. Yeah. That's amazing. And you can hear other people like perking up. And at one point, like one of my other brother-in-laws came and sat down with us and they were like, they're like, oh, sorry, I heard you. Like, what are you talking about? And we just like, kept the conversation going. It was like no shame at all. It was just like, like, open door. This is like, this is who I am. Like, there's yeah. no point in me sh- like hiding. Did it feel things. like a rare moment having that kind of conversation? <sighs> Sitting around I, like, a group of men talking about how to deal with anxiety. To me, that sounds like straight up the evolution of society that's where i would love to see things going that's what i want for all men so like to me that sounds like such a beautiful rare thing that we need to keep fostering somehow yeah Yeah. i I think i think you're right i think it did feel rare um i think it i was like in the moment i was really grateful that i was surrounded by people who i wasn't like i have no fear um 
but at the same time, I like I definitely spoke louder than I normally would to try and like emphasize what the conversation we were having and and almost invite other people to join in if they felt if they felt obliged. Um, and I know for sure, like over the weekend, talking about Manatee and and the podcast with family members sparked a lot of conversations about this. That was like that was all really positive. Um, so yeah, I mean that's absolutely where things should get. I, I and yeah, I, I, it's this podcast and this topic um, feel like it feels so good to talk about all this stuff, but it feels even better to share it with other people and hear other people go oh like i would love to like i'd love to have a friend that i could talk to like that or i'd love to have more conversations about this that's the part where i'm like fuck yeah like that's why we're doing this and i find like that that wall that's put up for lack of a better word i think probably overused a little bit but between like a um a man and his close friends or a man and his partner or um whatever it's (laughs) if that walls up, it's very difficult if you're on the outside of it to tear it down. Right. Like if I were thinking of an example of like me and my partner, like Jordan is a pretty open guy. Um, so I don't really have to deal with this per se, but as an example, if he had a wall up, am I supposed to spend years clawing at that wall or is it up to him on the other side to do the emotional homework and bring it down himself? And that's the part that I, um, that I'm curious about, because for me, being open with my friends comes very, very naturally to me. It's like breathing air. I got a message from a friend this week and the message literally started out. I am really, really sad. And it went into like, why? And I listened and I was a sounding board and I felt for her and I, you know, I didn't fix anything. I wasn't making light of anything. I didn't have an action plan in place by the end of the conversation. All I did was listen. And she does the same thing for me. You know, she'll be there anytime I send a similar message. And I don't think about it. That is a part of our relationship. It's a part of our friendship. It's just how we exist. And I have multiple girlfriends that I'm like that with. Um, I don't consider, and maybe I'm taking it for granted, but I don't consider leaning on them and them leaning on me to be like a magical gift. It's a part of our friendship. It's a natural part of my friendship with them. So when you're in a situation where someone has, you know, a a barrier up against that, in my mind, I want to see the emotional homework done to get that barrier down to start the conversation. I'll be there through and through once you find the strength to be that vulnerable person. But is it my job from the outside to help people open up or do you think that people should be doing this work for themselves or is there a balance? Like what's your, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think, and just turn it back as a, like answer that with a question. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that it's homework that needs to be done or permission that's need to be given? Because I think that, I think there's reluctancy for men to seek out like solutions um, in this area, but I think that there's an issue with permission to ask for help. Um, so rather than like doing homework and research on like the best way to deal with it. Sorry, I, I didn't think- mean homework, like research, like you figure out on your own how to deal with anxiety. Um, I meant like taking the time to question how you're feeling to say like, I, like say right. a situation happens, it's a high stress situation and you react, which is what I see a lot of, of uh, men do, unfortunately react in anger or shutting down completely. Right. Are you numb 
are you angry? Or are there a myriad of other emotions in there that you haven't tackled? Maybe something made you feel out of control and you're feeling really, really scared. Maybe something happened and you're feeling overwhelmed. Maybe you're confused and you don't know how to handle it. It's, it's not, in my view, that's where I would want to see someone taking the time to be like, oh man, I, I reacted like, you know, instinctually to something. Now let me take a step back and figure out what really is going on with me. Yeah. I, I think, I think the first step in that is, is like, you need to ask for help, right? Like, no, like yeah. it's not into your, to your analogy. Like if someone's behind the wall and they're hiding, then it's not like, there's not much you can do. <clears throat> you know, we, they could listen or they could, you know, selective hearing, they're going to hear what they want to hear. If they're happy with how they are, you know, getting through life, then, then they're not going to, they're not going to change if that, but if they, that's what I guess what we're hoping to do is highlight that there is a better way. Yeah. And, but it, it's not easy. And, but the great thing about it is that you don't have to do it alone, you know, and you can't, you can't really do it alone. Some parts you have to, but like people want to help. So, and, and people generally have a friend or, and if not a friend, um, professionals that you can ask for help and they will teach you the the tools to take the bricks off the wall and and then hopefully get to a place where you guys can send emails back and forth like i like topher and i i don't even think we like we don't have a relationship that mirrors rachel and her friends like i don't think i mean you're the closest i have to that um and I've certainly called being like, dude, I'm so overwhelmed, mm -hmm. but, but those are special moments, not, yeah. the, not the norm. Um, so we have work to do too. I, you know, I suppose, I guess everyone, you always have work to do. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I actually see like what we're doing with this podcast, Jamie, as like part of us working on ourselves. Um, oh, definitely. 100%. And it was a, an interesting journey that it like is, you know, we'll be able to track through this. Um, I think that like, it's like, it's such a good question. There's, there's education that has to happen. Um, I think the problem is like, to Jimmy, your point, like, if someone doesn't know they need help, or isn't willing to admit that they need help, it's very hard to help someone. Um, and uh, Jim, I don't know if I'm like speaking on a line or if this is true, but I think in, in like your situation in, in your life, it took sort of a tipping point to get you somewhere that you were able to ask for help and realize that you needed help. Yeah. Well, funny story. Well, it's not really funny at all. <laughs> it's, the, it's the demise of my adult years. But, um, so, so. I don't know where, like where my life would be, but it wouldn't be here. It would be much worse, I'm sure. So I guess a little context. So Rachel is my sister and been my sister since she was born. You know it. Um, and was working in like an, an accounting type of like investment field at one point. And my finances you know, as a drug addict, believe it or not, we're not in great shape. <laughs> we're great. No, and I made great. the mistake. And I made the mistake at the time of of 
of like taking Rachel up on her offer of like helping me get a budget. And Rachel, like without me, Rachel just like jumped in and like started looking at my budget. And I had like, you know, like a hundred dollars for groceries, gas, and like whatever. And then like $1,400 for X. And Rachel was like, what, what's that for? <laughs> and I was too, already too deep and she knows me too well that she, she pushed, and pushed and pushed and was like, Oh, you like, it sounds to me, Jamie, like, like you're struggling and like you have <clears throat> an addiction. This isn't a condemnation of you or a, a judgment of you, but as your sister, I cannot look away. Yeah. So I fought her so hard. <laughs> to be like, just forget you ever saw that. Like, I'm doing my own thing. It's my life. Um, leave me alone. So like total denial of like, and, and not ready at all to, yeah. to seek help. And Rachel still went ahead and, and like, you know, sounded the alarm. Sounded like, the alarms. Yeah. yeah. That's what you have to do. It the is a hard sheep thing was though. On fire. Yeah. I'm the black sheep. I mean, to me, I'm the black sheep because I feel like I'm ringing the alarm in the family all the time when something goes wrong. We like yeah, to, but, but it, so like to Topher's point about like someone not being ready, like that was me not being ready at all. Yeah. And that was like, honest to God, like, when was that Rachel? Like 12 years ago. That was a long time ago, James. It was a long, long time ago. Yeah. And right now I'm, I just checked. I'm two months and 23 days sober. Cheers to that. She first. Congratulations. That's yeah, amazing. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you. But she, like, it's, it's a process. Like if she say it was 10 years ago, she, she blew the alarm. I was told I was an addict 10 years ago. And now I have two months, almost three months in sober. Yeah. So like, it's a prime example of somebody. And I, and I've been in, in and out of. Of readiness, I and, think. You've been in and out of readiness in my mind. Yeah. Right. Sometimes you've built the strength up and the resilience to give this a go. And sometimes, you know, you've swung back the other way. And, and that's, that's, I think a hard part on like my end is wondering when to, like you said, not look away Yeah. because I love you so much and you're my brother. You're my big brother. Like you mm -hmm. said, since the day I was born and, uh, you know, I want you to be well, and I want you to talk about your feelings. And I'll say that like in the scope of our relationship, I, I'm not always clear on when you're sober and, and when you're on well, I'm not always clear on that, but I am always clear on when you and I are close and it's when you're sharing with me. So when I feel yeah. like the closest with you as a sibling, it's when you're telling me not great stuff could be the dark stuff, but when you're communicating with me, when you're talking with me, when you're asking me questions, when you're, um, you yeah. know, when I get a chance to listen to you and listen to your innermost thoughts and, and feelings. And that to me is just reflective of, of what we're talking about here too, is like, I feel closest with you. I feel like I'm getting to see the real you when you're communicating with me, you know, when yeah, you're not well, closing me off. And that means so much as a sister. Yeah, well, you, you're a great sister, so I appreciate right. hearing that. And then I do like. There's probably a direct correlation between. I think there being, is me being high and me communicating with you. Like li literally, and it's crazy that you know all these things line up for a reason because 
it's people who have been through it, but the opposite of addiction is connection. Yeah. So when I'm unconnected, like Topher knows this, I'll, like he, I'm sure Topher has like, we could look through Topher. We could probably phone. sync up calendars and yeah, be like, we well, look, Jamie, we stop look talking to us here. Yeah. Right. Seriously. Like Topher's yeah. phone probably has my sobriety history on it for the last however long. Because it doesn't lie. Yeah. yeah. And I think the people who really love Jamie can see it. So he avoids us on purpose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then so. I find, I, then I find like a, a group of people who are also hurt and, and numbing themselves and, and uh, I feel connected to them, but I'm yeah. not connected. It's not a connection. But all it's doing is normalizing behavior. That's not right. actually all that great. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I bet we could find a similar um, three line with like with depression and with with most most things that that are mental health related. That's because, a good point. Because <laughs> con- connection is such an important part of like our own beings, and we like we we tend to we tend to tend to do the opposite when we're sad of what we should actually do, which is reach out to people and talk to people. Um, we feel like do we what need my time for ourselves. Did, right? Send a message yeah. says I'm really really sad. Yeah, that, yeah. That, for uh, for me that sounds. That sounds very difficult to do, and I don't know about you, Tober. It's 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 not. I don't think it would be difficult to do. I just don't think it would be natural. Yeah, right. Because the point of it is, she's not trying to be productive, right? She's not trying to solve anything. She's not messaging me to like fix the problem or anything. She's literally just telling me how she feels. There's no end game there. There's no, no productivity she's, she's using, at all. She's using you as as like a tool, right? Yeah. Without she's without connecting. You. Yeah, she's connecting, she's connecting with, with yeah. you in order to work through, you know, her mental health. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think guys do that. I so I do like a pseudo version of this with Dan. I think Dan Gillis, um, who's another person that we had on the podcast, and he's my uh, one of my ex business partners. Um, I guess still kind of a business partner. He's actually a part owner of Man of T Two. Um, where I will have he does the same thing. I think with me, where I'll have a conversation with him. And I will say something in the conversation. It's not necessarily about feelings, but it's about like a problem that I have. Mm-hmm. And he he won't solve the problem for me. He will ask the questions that will help me solve the problem myself. So he'll just be sort of like a sounding board and yeah. he'll listen to me and I will work through something like with him. And he's really just there to just bounce everything back to me. Absolutely. Um, and to validate yeah. the way I'm feeling and the the thoughts I'm having, um, but I, I don't do it with emotions. I do yeah. it more with just like. Problems. I think it could be a worthwhile exercise. Yeah, a hundred percent to do it with emotions. And and yeah. as the person listening, as the man listening, to try not to solve anything. I think that's a really important part of it. Um, interesting you're not yeah. you're not trying to fix the other person's problem and i think this like that fixer attitude i see it come out a lot of the time um with dad but one of my favorite memories from childhood i, I mean it's bittersweet i guess because i'll tell you what it was i was in grade nine i'd gone off to a party and one of my best friends made out with the guy i liked and i came home and i was going to come straight to bed and dad saw my face and he was like what's wrong and i was 
in grade nine, very dramatic. I just burst into tears. Um, and I would just want to preface this by saying, I don't think that's dramatic in a negative way. I just was feeling my emotions on a big pl- platter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here. Yeah, really. um, I hate labeling women as dramatic or really anyone. Um, but yeah, I burst into tears and I basically like curled up next to him on the couch and told him everything that happened. And he wasn't mad at me for going to a party and he wasn't telling me, oh, she'll get hers someday. Or like, what can I do to make this better? Or like, what do you need? He was just like, that, that sucks, Rachel. That sucks. I'm so sorry that happened. That's, that sounds so tough. And that's all he said. And I cried and cried and cried, cried myself out. We watched like probably a bit of a Leafs game. And then I went to bed. And I, I mean, that was it. That's the whole memory of just him not trying yeah. to fix a single thing, but like being so present as a dad and being so like emotionally open with me and not trying to fix a problem. Cause trying to fix something right there would have just been the worst. Honestly, it wouldn't have done anything for me. He did yeah. exactly what I needed. And, and that was that. And I, I went on my way and still friends with the girl. Don't even remember which guy I was. <laughs> but <laughs> that's a story yeah. for a different day but yeah like that's you know he just he just was there for me and I think that's one of the like best dad moments I've got yeah well I like um I read I read one of the books I read every day is the just for today written by narcotics anonymous cool. and and the just for today is like is just exactly what you've said Rachel is that like we do not try and fix each other um, we're just here to support each other and support looks like listening and feeling with and being compassionate and not judgmental. And like, those are all like, that's all you need to do. So, you know, we, there's two types of learning. There's like the learning on how to give, you know, do the, do the crying and do yeah. the, this is what happened. And then there's the other type of learning that you have to learn. It's also the skill of like the receiving. And not being like, oh, well, this is all you have to do to get out of that problem, because that's not what, you know, maybe that is in certain terms, like, like if Topher's going through a, a business scenario that you're bouncing off someone, but if you're, if you're telling them that you're scared, maybe, you know, if, if you get it down to the emotional level, you just need to be heard. Yeah. Nothing's more validating, right? Than someone just saying like, I believe you. I'm sorry that's Mm. happening. I'm here for you you know, that's, that's validation. Validation isn't like, these are the steps you have to take to fix your problem. That almost can be invalidating. Yeah. (laughs) So it feels like someone's telling you like, man, this is all you have to do. A hundred percent. I'd like, it's, this is really interesting because I, I can see like there's, there's two like um, fundamentally different approaches to two different behaviors. And one is like a like problem solving approach for like mechanical issues, things that can Mm -hmm. be solved. And then there's like the correct emotional response to emotions. And I think as men, we tend to have the same reaction for both. Um, and we were like, okay, someone has some an emotional problem and we automatically go into like problem solving. Well, what can we do to fix it? What's the yeah. what's the solution here? It can't be simple. Like Yeah, I've certainly done that relationships. Like oh, but and I'm sure all they wanted was just like, oh man, that's shitty. I yeah. I I I'm having um like currently like real world examples of issues with my children not issues with my children that sounds wrong but like parenting learnings that i yeah. am like dealing with where like i will approach my daughter with a problem solving attitude when like all she needs is just to be heard because she's just like she needs to have like a cry 
Yeah, and she like just has to have her feelings. Yeah, something is completely irrational to me, but rationality is not there for her and it, it doesn't need to be and it shouldn't be. And my like a year ago, my instinct would have been like, okay, well, you don't need to cry about it. What's the issue? Let's solve it. And and it's the same with Harrison, my son as well. Um, he will have like temper tantrums and I'll yeah. go in there and I will try and fix the temper tantrum. And we were having like a really hard time with this just like months ago. And and then we realized that like with both of our kids, like they respond so negatively to that that kind of um, fix it attitude. Fix it and attitude. You know what? Responding negatively to it doesn't go away. I just as adults, we can't um, throw tantrums. But like, I feel the same way when someone tries to do that to me, I will be like, Mm-mm, no, you have misread the situation. Just yeah, yeah like, but my daughter's I'm... the same way. We just went skating. And I think she just got a little overwhelmed with the process of it all. And she mm-hmm. just laid down on the ice crying. And the instinct is to be like, do you want to take your skates off? Do you want to sit down? Do you want mommy to carry you? Do you want daddy to carry you? Do you want to go home? She's yeah. just going to say no to everything because she's too heightened. Always say, yeah. I'm so sorry you're feeling this way, honey. And we rub her back and that's that. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Until it passes. Like, Harrison driving home from Toronto had like a, like a mini meltdown. Yeah. And rather than being like, Harrison, you can't scream. I'm like, what's going on, man? Like, what are you feeling yeah. right now? Like, what is it? And he, and he, he like got to the answer. He was like, he was like, I'm just, I'm really upset. And this, this happened, this happened a bunch of times where like, we just asked them, we're like, like yeah. what, like, why you feel like, what are you feeling right now? And they're like, I'm feeling sad. Cause you didn't give us like a warning that we were leaving like the play place. And we're like, shit. Yeah. All right, fair. That's fair. <laughs> we like dragged you out of there and yeah. you were kicking and screaming. And they're like, they're like, yeah, we just, you know, you didn't tell us that we were going to go. We thought we had more time to play. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not rational, but it's also completely like valid. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, not maybe it's... the reaction wasn't super rational, but their kids yeah. are still learning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's so interesting, and I think we <clears throat> we do forget that there's there's two types of two types of well, not, I mean, it's way more than two, but there's like what we're talking about: two types of main um, ways to respond. Yeah, ways to respond, but also like emotions that like it, the the emotional, like the feeling and the the response that we need for emotions is not necessarily problem solving. It's, it's connection and listening yeah. and compassion. And, you know, we need to prove to people and show to people that if someone texts me and says like, I'm feeling sad, my response is not going to be, well, what can I do to fix it? Yeah. It's tell me why you're feeling sad. Yeah. Like what's got you uh, down? There's a, and I, I will wanna... say too, if you guys ever okay. feel this way, I don't know if this is where you're at, but like you responding that way is enough. That's enough. Oh. Like yeah, yeah. you should never feel like it's not enough that you haven't done your job as a, like a man or a protector or a friend or any of those things. You've done enough just by listening. My dad that night did more than, more than I could ever ask for. All he did was listen. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't need some like weird version of a protective dad to threaten to kick someone's ass or anything <laughs> like that. You know, I just needed my dad to like literally hold me and listen to me cry right. and hug me. And that's what I needed. And that's all people like you guys, each other need like James, the day that you tell Topher someday, I hope soon in the future, I'm having a really bad day. I'm really overwhelmed. And Topher responds and says, tell me about it, man. I'm here. That's it, right? You hope you're hoping that I have a bad day in the future. I've been hoping you have a, quite a few. <laughs> I'm I, no 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 word of a lie. I'm due for one probably by Friday. Oh shit, it's coming first, around the bend. This day. is my first day back to work in like three years almost. Yeah. Uh, 
and like I've got the kids, I've got my daughter tonight, and also have work tomorrow, and it's a lot. Life's with, coming. Yeah, and I've never made it past ninety days of sober life, so. Um, well, we're here. We're here for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's and 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 like the message of of what we're doing is that. like people are there for you and that like take some ownership do some being vulnerable is isn't manly in it and it's not womanly or you know it's 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 just necessary it's human it's part of the human experience yeah and i would argue actually like i think that being vulnerable is a strength that we undervalue because i think vulnerability is a strength is a is something that women tend to do more often and we tend to undervalue things that are strengths in women so from my feminist standpoint like, I, I think that's a reason why it's like assumed women are going to do this because it's natural no it's our strength it's a strength that we carry to be able to message our friend pick up our phone and without hesitation say this is how I'm feeling. Um, and I think like the, the, the way I view feminism as folding into all of this. And the reason I think that feminism supports what you guys are trying to do is because the system was set up to benefit like one certain type of man. Like that's what the patriarchy is. And to me, in my mind, that's what feminism is. Feminism isn't about trying to bring women always up to where men are. That's not, that can be the misconception, but that's like, And that's true in some cases, you know, we want equal pay, we want equal representation and leadership, like historically, we wanted to be viewed as actual people by law. But feminism evolves. And where we're at now is not about, you know, it's never about hating men. If a feminist tells you she hates men, she's just not a feminist, because that's not what it's about. What we hate is the patriarchy, what we hate is you know, toxic masculinity and misogyny. What we want to do is dismantle those systems that were put in place to benefit like straight white men, essentially, just by default, because they're the ones who made the system. So if you took it from like a medical standpoint, men have more heart attacks than women, but women die more often because the symptoms that we talk about, so like your arm going numb and that sort of thing, only happen to men. For women, it can be jaw tension and back aches. They're not going to see that, knowing what's represented in the media. Women experience those, take an Advil and go to bed and die because their symptoms aren't talked about. But that's because when they investigated heart attacks, they only looked at men. Right. So just when the system by default is set up to benefit someone, and we're not saying it's a conscious thing or like uh, an evil empire, this isn't some Illuminati bullshit. Okay. This is just how our culture evolved. We just need to continue to evolve towards real equality. Um, but that means also honoring the struggles that we're talking about right now, because that system also doesn't honor men's health. That system doesn't acknowledge that men's health doesn't, it's very low on the totem pole. So women are diagnosed more often with depression and anxiety and panic attacks. Um, But maybe because they're more likely to go and seek help because men face a harder, higher barrier to go and admit they're having a problem. Men have statistically much higher rates of addiction, which is a form of um, like self-medication and coping and much higher rates, unfortunately, of suicide. Yeah. Middle-aged men have the highest rates of suicide. So don't tell me they don't, they don't have mental health problems all the way up until, you know, they die by suicide at age 50. That's completely unrealistic. There are insidious underlying issues that they don't get to talk about because the patriarchy doesn't benefit 
them in this situation. Maybe resume wise, maybe you've got a better chance of making more money. Maybe you've got a better chance of landing a certain job, of becoming uh, a leader, but mental health wise, wellness wise, emotional intelligence wise, it's not serving you guys. And that's where feminism comes in to help everyone. We want men in the world to be able to say like, I need to take stress leave. Right. I'm not doing well. Or I want to be taking the year of parental leave. I'm the more um, child-minded person in the relationship and they're not to be shame there. I think a big, huge underlying problem with everything is this idea of like shame and guilt, keeping people back. And it, and it shouldn't be really. And these conversations and conversations just like these um, help combat that idea. Yeah. 100%. Boom. Well, <laughs> yeah. well said, Rachel. Thanks, yeah, seriously. I, I, this podcast is brought to you by Manatee. Manatee was developed to bring high-quality organic ingredients together to produce a tasty, warm beverage that has beneficial effects for men's health, both physically and mentally. This includes ingredients that are known to improve prostate health, heart health, brain function, increased memory function, reduced anxiety, and even increased libido. These teas can be enjoyed by everyone, but were designed with men in mind as the options for healthy, caffeinated, or non-caffeinated beverages for men can sometimes seem limited. Just like in life, sometimes men need to be able to step away from the harsh stuff and have something a little more relaxing. That's where Man of Tea comes in. Be a man. Drink tea. And listeners, if you want to try this tea, we're offering a special discount code. Use T-TOX, T-E-A-T-O-X at checkout, and you'll receive 20% off your first order. That's T-TOX, T-E-A-T-O-X at checkout, and you'll receive a 20% discount on all orders your first time. This sound this sounds uh this sounds kind of negative, but I mean it very positively. But sometimes I forget how smart you are. Um I I think Jamie's a very smart person, but I've always known that you are the smartest of the three of you guys. I do appreciate um, that because it is true. Yeah. You're also the best <laughs> singer, and Jamie has a great voice. He um, does. So you probably are the most talented of the three of them. Um, but uh <laughs> Yeah, but I don't have Jamie's charm or Hazen's charm, unfortunately. But, yeah. but but what you but but what you lack in charm you've made up for in in like inner strength like your core beliefs are much stronger. Well, thank you, James. But I also would say like I haven't faced the circumstances you faced in your life, so we can't possibly talk about my inner strength and my resilience because you and I have not <laughs> faced the same life. So you can't possibly discount what you've gone through and how far you've come. And the fact that you're even here today, frankly, without like considering and, and like honoring your own resilience. Sure. Well, you got, don't yeah, sure me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I want to say, I want to, I want to second that too. Um, I had a conversation over the holidays with, uh, with my father-in-law just about um, like addiction in general. And one of the things that like I was acknowledging through the conversation, because he knows you, um, and it was the topic of you came up was how I can't imagine how difficult it would be to continue doing like to continue with your sobriety. Um, given that you, you know, you have two young kids, you live alone. Like there's just, there's so many factors that go against success. Um, the, the, the reason you are able to do what you do, um, and continue is because of your resilience. So I, I, that came up and I, you're absolutely right, Rachel. Like it's, yeah, you know, and, and, and there's people that have it harder that. than you. Um, For real, you, you guys are trying to, to make it. me cry, and I'm not going to do it. You're not going to break. Because you're resilient. 
<laughs> Topher just bringing it back. But seriously, like, I know you were said like, oh yeah, sure. Like wanted to be dismissive. Yeah, no. I, no need. You're right. You guys are absolutely right. Like it's very easy to talk about it until like the focus comes back around to you. And that's, yeah. but that's what, that's, that's honestly what I need to learn how to do. Like that is <clears throat> like the day that I can hear that from you too. And and believe it to be true and and like not dismiss it yeah will be like a huge day in my path to recovery because of things that happened to me that that I owned yeah they're yours Uh, James like that your experiences are yours right you're here today but the way I interpreted them caused me to put up a defense mechanism that I am still trying to get down today. Yeah. So that, you know, but yeah, I, you know, I, and, and I appreciate, I'm the lucky, I'm so lucky to have people like, like you guys to, you're damn you know, straight to lie to me and tell me those nice things. I mean, listen, I struggle accepting compliments too. If someone tells me my outfit looks good, I'm like, thanks value village, 1699. Like I have no idea what to say. So like, and that goes, that's like a surface compliment, let alone something about like my soul. I can barely even handle it. Yeah. So I hear you. It's a, it's a tricky one. Is this a group thing? Are we? No, no. It's it's like, it's all, it's everyone in life. You know, everyone's at a, at a place where like, yeah. It's yeah, tough I mean, to accept compliments. It, it is because we're taught that we're taught that being humble is is the right way to approach life. Um, I, I I do have to say I think that there's an aspect of that that's a bit Canadian. Um, <laughs> it's just going to say that, yeah. and uh, and then even more extreme when you get into the maritimes. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I, I experienced this a lot in business where you know we would be doing what would be considered re- remarkably well as a company in the u.s but by canadian standards we were like ah we haven't hit this we're all like very very humble and then you get down to the states and they're like boasting about everything and everything's on fire and And i'm like why don't we act this way what like it's the nba versus the nhl yeah but i wonder if there's i wonder if what one is wrong and one is right or if the right way or the best way is somewhere in between because like you know, I should be able to accept a compliment if I feel I deserve it. Yeah, I yeah, I think that but there's I, limit I, there's limitations also, that yeah. come from not accepting compliments and not not feeling worthy and not feeling like you deserve certain things. And I think that's a maritime problem sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I do that and, word worthiness or like worth is pretty weighted. That's a tough one to come to grips with. Yeah, but I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't feel worthy of certain things yeah. don't feel there was a, a thing that are nice to talk about um which was like deserving um and That's, I, I i started this whole thing out by saying you guys deserve to talk about your feelings you guys deserve to have that safe space that's really funny go on yeah Very deserve yeah. not to be interrupted no sorry that's gonna happen forever <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding <laughs> um no, but it it came down to like um, we have we have these wants, um, and this might be like a regional want or like a community want or an individual want, and and sometimes we deserve it and sometimes we don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And I think that you have to do the work in order to deserve it. And it's just it's an interesting word when it comes to all the things we're talking about. And it, it doesn't answer any questions or any it doesn't solve any problems, but it 
like we used to use that lens um, with where we used to live where, you know, they'd be like, oh, we, you know, we need this. We need to have like, I don't know. I can't remember what an example would be like, say it's, they want to bring in like uh, an NHL team to the Maritimes and the response is like, well, like, does the, does the Maritimes deserve it? And that's not yeah. our, like, are they worthy of it? No, but like, but like literally, can they support it? <laughs> can they support it? Right. Yeah. Like, like economically, does this make sense? Like, yeah, sure. It'd be amazing. But is that actually going to be a good, a good financial decision? And, and does the region deserve that? Um, and we'd have that conversation people, and, and it, it's it's a tricky thing because everyone's like, "Well, fuck you," and it's like, "No, no," but like, just just think about think about what that actually means. Ooh, that actually does bring up something I wanted to ask you guys about because this, to me, if we're talking about barriers and putting up walls, to me is like the number one thing I encounter when talking to men about their emotions, and it's defensiveness. Mm. I find like there's an automatic angry defensiveness when you like. Uh, try and have a conversation or try and point something out. Um, and I find it's like the hardest thing to combat because it, I, I guess it's, I find it very difficult to see someone become self-aware in the moment of their defensiveness and take a second to chill. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind with that question is like, you're, you're identifying someone's uh, insecurity. So like when there's a defensive response, you're identifying an insecurity in someone. And yeah. so much of so much of the way we respond to things is is like fear and ego. And a lot of times that's coming from like you are going to highlight something that I am insecure about. Um, so I think that I think that for men and feelings, there's a massive insecurity that talking about your feelings automatically means you are less of a man or you are weak or um soft because those are like the big insecurities that like and those are the parallels that we we draw to women which mm -hmm. is bullshit yeah totally. um uh but those are the parallels we draw from um like feminine person and and that's why i think why you would get like those reactions straight away and i'm sure I, i've reacted aggressively or or uh with a guard up sometimes right? like i think when, when someone like say like your partner has seen you in a bad mood and they've said like i think like it seems like you're in a bad mood like what's going on and they're like well now i am because you asked like why can't you just right. back off leave me alone like i've heard that from multiple people across like multiple relationships and friendships and i find it i guess the question is like when the when it's coming at you from your partner do you feel like they're on your team when they're asking or do you think it's you know, because when I ask that question of my partner, I'm on his team. I want to, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm there for him. It's not me trying to attack, but when you get a defensive reaction. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think, sorry, Jamie, um, I just want to answer this before you, um, something that like Ari and I've worked a lot on is, um, like identifying where, like where an issue is coming from and like, a, rather than, how do I phrase this properly? So like rather than the surface issue or or rather than saying like, I think you're in a bad mood or I think that you're doing this, um, what we do, and, and I do this all the time. This is actually an area where I, I do use my feelings is I tell her how her behavior makes me feel. Gotcha. Uh, I like that. So how um, like a certain thing she did or a certain action that happened um, 
makes me feel the communication technique it's like non-violent communication where i think i've talked to you before about it where if you're trying to resolve something you just you have to go with facts you state the facts you state the facts of, mm -hmm. of a situation and then you state how it made you feel and then you ask for something you know you ask for um to to, to do something different in the future or to, you know, can you change something about whatever just happened? You know, like you, you make a request basically. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think the fact that you, you only deal with facts, not, not perceptions, not, you know, you only deal with the facts, things that are undisputable and then your own feelings, which are also undisputable. Undisputable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you don't make it about the other person at all. That's a great way to communicate uh, touchy subjects with anybody is state the facts state how it made you feel and then make a request but it also yeah. reflects me that like not to make a just a blanket comment on your relationship but you must feel safe enough to be vulnerable with her otherwise you wouldn't be able to have that kind of conversation where you start feelings front so yeah, for sure like, that's a really beautiful thing that's a really like lovely way to communicate with someone because thinking like good communication means you'll never argue is just naive oh, but 100%. knowing how to argue in a healthy way is actually like how you stay happy and healthy as a couple yeah, or I, as any sort of relationship in in, in any relationship I, I, yeah. I strongly believe that like the underlying foundation for any relationship business relation relationship, mm -hmm. relationship intimate relationship anything friendship is communication yeah um and that doesn't mean that you have to have like often communication as well so you, like one of my best friends like I speak to him once every three or four months, but like, but it's an honest, we, true conversation. Yeah, yeah. When we speak, it's like, it's, it's fantastic. Um, so like, I, I think that the underlying, there's like two things there. One is like communication. The other one is trust, right? Mm -hmm. Trust that the other person is not going to respond negatively and will listen. Um, and I think and that like, we're talking relationships, but I think you could take that back to that friendship spot where we were talking about, like you guys being able to send that message of just saying like, I'm really sad. I think mm -hmm. you need to trust that the person is going to not be like, well, why are you being such a pussy? And yeah, yeah, that, that's like the most offensive way I can think of responding to that. Yeah. Because but obviously it, like you bring up a good point. I think that like, because like Tover and I do it all the time. Like, and it's probably a defense mechanism in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. No, no, probably it is for me anyway. I can't speak for Tover, but like guys raz each other. That's like how you, that's how you tell them you love them. Yeah. It's like this backwards thing that like, if I don't like you, I'm not going to make fun of you, but like, no, I will make fun of Topher all day long. Yeah. And like, does, so that, does that put up a barrier between us that we're like, he doesn't, you know, like is somebody who, who I'm well, do you use with. his insecurities against him. Oh yeah. If he told you something. Yeah. See, like <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like if someone did yeah. that to me, if I were yeah. like, you know, if my insecurity was like feeling like big, like feeling fat. And then I went out and one of my friends called me a whale. That's, that's a no for me. That would be crossing a big boundary for me. Yeah. But if someone did that to me, I would then have a conversation with them and say like, I revealed a, uh, an insecurity to you and I feel like you weaponized it. And that, that yeah. really hurt me. If my friend didn't have the ability to hear that, that would be that. But yeah, that's an evolution, though. If you if it's all, you know, and that's how you guys talk, 
the evolution has to be having a conversation about how you have a conversation and yeah. going from there, right? Like yeah. it would not, in my mind, automatically, it would not be okay if you made fun of Topher uh, going to a grocery store, knowing knowing his experience. I don't yeah. think that and, would. And, and truth be told, that that's not like that isn't that isn't what crossed my mind, and I wouldn't do, and I wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. It was my teeth, wasn't it? It was definitely your teeth. <laughs> 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 but but I know exactly. Thank God he, this is a podcast. But I know exactly what he would make fun of me, and it's the fucking zits on my face, which is yeah. also. But I mean, if if that's like a a surface thing, like it's really funny because like I'm in a group chat with some of my girls, and the group is called Friends Who Are Fucking Tens. And all we do is be like, we are the hottest shit that ever hit the town. Like, you've never looked better. No, you've never looked better. And that's how we talk to each other. So this idea of like tearing each other down for like fun is, uh, it's not completely uh, foreign to me. I do have you as a brother, but (laughs) (laughs) it's just not how I exist with most of my friends. We are like pumping each other's tires 24 seven. Like I literally took a shirt off my body because I knew my friend would look better in it. And I wore some slobby thing to the bar because I was like, girl, you will rock the shit out of this. You have to wear this. And she was like, no, no. And I was like, put it on. Then she put it on and we were all like, yes, yes, yes. Oh my God. Like that's, that's just so far from what would happen. Like what happens at a guy, like guy comes out of his room and everyone's like, Oh my God, put it away. You're disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds really fun. (laughs) But like, so like that, that is part of the, that's part of the uh, obstacle in the way of like, it's like, we need to have, we need to have like a, a switch. And be like, like real talk, bro. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and maybe that should do it. Maybe that's all you need to say. Yeah. I, I, like, Jamie, you did this um, a couple of weeks ago. You asked me a question and I responded with a joke. And you were like, you're like, no, like, don't you, we said, don't deflect, answer the question. And yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. Like, absolutely. I, I think the, I remember, yeah, I remember that. Like, razzing each other on like that, that aspect, like to me, that's a sign of like friendship and love and like yeah. and i and i don't take offense to it and if i think if you said something that was over the line i mean i don't know what there would be that you would say that was over the line i would like i'd just be like shut up right yeah. well we have gotten into serious fist fights so there is a line <laughs> yeah but it's not from that it's just from like just living in a van together like it's like it's not yeah, not from shit you said it's just it's just you, you know? <laughs> oh, for me, it was definitely shit you said. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was. Um, so it was a very healthy time for both of you emotionally and physically. Oh, it's weird. Just, it's we were, we were Olympic time. athletes. That's, that is a word for it. That, that is, is also not true. <laughs> <laughs> you were nomads. Hopefuls and that's being kind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. was called a nomad. We just uh, yeah, that was living right, it. That was the name of our house. Yeah, Dan. I think the best thing that came out of that was your like, Pus video to be honest oh, so jesus Christ. sorry <laughs> rachel's real into that like pimple popper stuff so that was like right up her alley emotional <laughs> vulnerability and pimple popping top tier <laughs> yeah that was, that was gold then that was gold. really could have used you because that was i could have been there for both yeah that was not his cup of tea I, I don't mind. I don't mind dabbling, dabbling into uh, medical assistance. I, I believe I've removed stitches from you. Yeah. And uh, I think they were on space. He ran into a stop sign. Yeah. Right before going to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. 
Never been, he's never been good at reading signs, Rachel. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? But um, <laughs> <laughs> see, that's funny. That to me, like everyone banter's like that a little bit. That's okay. Yeah, I think it's when it, uh, you know, if you guys were doing hard hitting stuff that prevented you from being able to like have vulnerable conversations, that's where I think it would be a problem. Yeah. But it sounds like you guys know each other's boundaries. But would that have come as easily with new friendships? Do you guys even make new friends as adults? Well, it's very hard, but yeah, I guess. Don't for you friendship. have. I, I don't think I have. I, I really don't think I've made, besides the people within my like recovery circle. Yep. I like a I had yeah no that's not true that's not true when I was working like on the tugboats those guys were new friends right like your co-workers become kind of like your friends and I would hang out with a couple of those guys outside of that but there there was a very surface level friendship and at the surface all you do is make fun of each other <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting it's like you could almost probably chart it right where it's like and and I'm making a dip for anyone that can't see what i'm doing it would be like surface level friendships where you just make fun of each other but it's like it's not insecurities you're bringing out um and then as you get to know someone a little bit better you're like that gets less and less and then you hit a point where you like know them well enough where that can come back but then the 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 level of insults are like more personal and like you know their boundaries but it's like right you know it's considered better banter but then also, like you said, like maybe they're a more solid, not so surface friend. They're a 100%. Friend. Like at that point, yeah. like you know them well enough that like you're not going to. Yeah. And I guess bring... it's those it's those friendships that we want guys to tap into and yeah. say, listen, man, like I like put your dick and, you know, put your dick away and like, let me talk to you for a second. Yeah. And I, there just needs to be more of that. Like, because. Well, and I do wonder, like, how many guys out there, maybe not you guys, but how many guys out there, their best friends are still from childhood because that's when they were able to, like, forge an emotional connection without, like, all the shit that comes with turning into an adult. Yeah. And now there are guys who, whose best friends are just from, like, high school or middle school or younger. And they've made no new friends in 10 years or 20 years. Yeah. Like, I, was, I do I, think that's a, a real thing. That, that was yeah, a, but, a question that I asked my father-in-law this weekend. Yeah. I was like, who, like, who, as you're still your core group of friends, like your friends from, are you friends with your, like people from high school? And he was like, yeah, he's like, my core group is still like my earliest friends. Yeah. Not to discount for, that. That's amazing. No, no, it's no, I think but, that's amazing. Yeah. You have, you have a whole bunch of resources there that know you and like clearly love you unconditionally because there's lots of other people you meet in the world that, and they've chosen to like maintain the, that friendship. Sorry, yeah. Jim, you're going to say something? Uh, no, just basically what you said that like my, all of my closest friends are the friends that I, from basically like from one summer, I took a snapshot of one summer <laughs> and those are now all of my friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard. Right. I think it's hard to make friends. I think it's hard for everyone. I don't think that's just like male specific, but when I look at, I guess the people around me, a lot of, a lot of the people who you know, their closest friends are still the high school buddies. And I wonder yeah, yeah. if it's because it's hard to get past that surface level razzing you're talking about. I mean, like it's, there's a similar thing with women, but yeah, like that surface level and, and getting to the, to the good shit. Yeah. Like it's, it's difficult to make deep connections with people yeah. as you, as you get older. And I, a part of it is probably the amount of time we have, right? It's like you end up meeting people when you're an adult with like with hobbies and mm-hmm. and other 
and work and things like that. And you, you don't often get the opportunity to really get to know someone um, like deeply as you get older. So the people that you do know deeply are the people that you, that you have known since childhood. And another thing that sort of came to us as saying that is um, I think the insecurities that we hold as men um, are almost stronger when we're an adult with the new friends we make where we're like, Okay. I don't know how this person is going to react to me being emotional. So we totally. end up not opening up to new people we've met because we're scared that we're going to uncover something that they don't like about us. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, it's hard enough with people, you know, yeah. So then take a complete stranger. Yeah. You don't, you don't know what skeletons they have. And the reality is everyone does. Everyone yeah. has skeletons. Everyone has things they're insecure about. Um, also the other thing is everyone is thinking about themselves anyway. So like, they're not actually worried about your insecurities and vulnerabilities. Um, and everyone's looking for connection. So, um, everyone needs it. I don't know if everyone's looking for it. (sighs) Good point. Yeah. I mean, I guess like my hopeful side would want to think that people are looking. I mean, I know there are some people who are like, I've got my three buddies and I'm good. That's that. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, I mean, I would yeah. Or, the, or they, ha- or they have, people, but... or they have what they consider to be a connection. You know, a, a couple mm-hmm. of friends, but they've never talked about. They've never this... told them how they feel. Yeah. You know, yeah. Right? I just think there's such a like a beautiful feeling that I get when I'm when I'm listening to someone where I where someone is trusting me with their story or their feelings, and I feel like I've done something to be trustworthy of this moment to be like to hold their vulnerability to honor their feelings like that makes nothing makes me feel like a better friend than being able to be there when someone's having a tough time so I I would consider that for you guys as well and when you're thinking about being on like the receiving end like it's an amazing feeling knowing that you've been such a good friend and so consistent that that someone feels they can open up to you um, in like a little, uh, area of safety. It's such, it's like a really rewarding feeling. Maybe that's like the selfish way of looking at it, but it is a, it's a beautiful feeling. Uh, I, I agree a hundred percent with that. I mean, I, I, I've had that feeling and like, I, I guess the Jamie, you've talked about this before, just the feeling of, of being asked for, to, uh, to listen. Oh, like right, phrase that really poorly, but the, <laughs> <laughs> no just to, to be present when somebody unloads like yes because i i take part in a lot of um you know aana meetings and certainly would never um jeopardize the anonymity of those meetings but i can tell you that the feelings in the room when somebody decides that they are going to open up mm-hmm. um is incredible it's it's so humbling and it's so you just feel grateful and honored and you can like you can feel the strength of that person like as each word comes out because it's so hard so yeah i mean it's it's a great gift to give if you have something to share yeah and i think that translates into all the friendships that's why i said like in when i was thinking about you know chatting with you guys and thinking about my friend sending me that message um you know i just got it responded we chatted a little bit and off we went and like it was only in considering it back like what a gift that is and like how like wonderful it is that we have that kind of um friendship 
Yeah, I think Jamie, the, the word that you used in there that like really highlighted highlighted was highlighted for me is honor. It's like it's just I feel so honored when people are willing to share with me and trust me with like with their emotions. Yeah, um, and and with that, I feel especially with like all the work we're doing around here and like everything I've learned personally, like I feel responsible to like listen and like give it the the time and attention and space that it needs. Um, and I, I think going back just a little bit, Jamie, to like um, what you and I were talking with, like the like the way we like insult each other back and forth. Yep. Um, I think like knowing knowing our relationship, but also knowing the way we talk about like kind of what we're dealing with. Like I I try to like give you the space to to like be honest and vulnerable. So like I try and monitor when we're like in banter mode versus mm-hmm. like serious conversation mode um yeah. and try to like and I, maybe i don't do a good job myself when like serious questions are asked of me but when i'm listening i like i i know that i restrain from going into like banter mode call it right um, yeah. in I think order that's to try to make you feel yeah. safer like you're yeah. talking about in order to honor his feelings yeah and i i think you do a, a great job of that like you you Def, like I I never get the sense that you I shouldn't say that there's definitely been times where like I've said something um and we made a joke of it hmm. but me getting it off my chest was half the battle anyway um but yeah like what a delicate line to try and figure out you know and I think that just comes from trying and the more honest that we are and the more attuned I am with my own feeling, right? Like sometimes it just comes out of nowhere and it's just like, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, mean? I don't even know. Something that, something that you said to me when you first told me about your trauma yeah. um, was you're like, I don't want you to not be able to joke with me about this stuff. Yeah. So like your, one of your insecurities at that time was that, it would change the type of relationship we have um, because of new right. information I found out about you. And I'm yeah. like, fuck you, man. Like, it's, it's not. It's not. I yeah. completely valid emotion and like completely valid fear, but like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to change. And and then also I said <laughs> to you, this isn't going to change. Like, this isn't going to change the way I talk to you about certain things either. Um, the same thing happened with another friend of mine who was, um, having he has uh he had depression and like suicidal thoughts um and uh and i said to him like like i support you 100 blah 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 i was like but one of the things i want to let you know is that like this isn't going to change the way i talk to you about like everything and he was like right. man i'd be fucking pissed if you did for sure so i think that like there's like that trust as well in in friendships that like you voiced it so I could respond to it, right? Yeah. God, which getting like, those words out must be so hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially when like you're at that time, you're essentially like in your own mind, you're jeopardizing one of the best relationships you have. I mean, no, no, the best relationship you have. I mean, it was the best relationship you've ever had. Um, <laughs> yeah. What, <laughs> you, were jeopardizing, you? you were jeopardizing something like yeah. it was very important to you, right? Yeah 
but so. like at that time I was fully committed to like just doing like whatever I was told from you know from the professionals and mm-hmm. and you know like being my have like I was so sh- it was it created so much shame for so much of my life and I have nothing to be ashamed about absolutely you know? not that sentence right there is like like that is like that even felt weird to say just then um well if but, you ever have trouble saying it we'll say it back to you no yeah. fucking problem yeah like th- that i had nothing nothing to be ashamed of but i you know so i had to tell you right mm. um doesn't make it easy no no for sure and like i i just basically was like numb and like it was all the it was all new so i was just like yeah i'll just I'll just let it fly and see what happens. It can't get any worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. I guess I guess my point is like back then, or one of my points is <clears throat> you were talking about your emotions then because you were like, yeah. you're you didn't say I'm scared that you're gonna yeah. change the way you like interact with me. You were yeah. but you did say it. You just said it in different words. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And and that was my first crack, real good crack at getting sober. Mm-hmm. And every time I've gotten a little bit more i've learned a little bit more and and you know giving it my best shot today and i'm sober today i'm sober yesterday and hopefully tomorrow so um yeah no i do you appreciate think, james that. do you think being like open and vulnerable is helping you right now yeah yeah you think well, having like these conversations with Topher de- and like with your friends is is making you feel stronger or like because being vulnerable can leave you feeling a little bit raw so I'm just wondering like in the aftermath of these conversations do you walk away feeling like better overall or feeling like more ripped open or like what's what's the process for you because you've been numb like you said for a long time yeah now you're sober and and things are I'm sure like bubbling to the surface like do these conversations yeah. help do they help strip away the shame and <clears throat> So I usually feel like completely exhausted. Yeah. Like uh, Topher and I did like just a one-on-one and like I was having like an off day to begin with. Sure. And like, I was just, I just felt like I had nothing in the tank. So usually Mm -hmm. I am, I, I guess it's, it seems like it tires me out, but there was like a, there's a, in a, in the very first conversation I had with my psychiatrist, he said, Jamie, you've been looking through this lens that you created when you were like 15 or maybe younger even right it it was created younger and then when, when at 15 it was cemented in place and every time you have an honest vulnerable discussion is like a little crack in that lens or like a little peek under it you know when somebody tells you something honest or you tell somebody else something like an honest truth about you or how you feel or when you name an emotion and without without shame behind it then you're slowly slowly like peeking getting rid of that lens so that i truly look at these conversations as like yeah a tool to hopefully get rid of that lens of like what we already talked about, like worthiness and, you know, everyone's, everyone struggles with that, but for some reason, mine leads me to drugs and out like drugs, you know, that's just, uh, that that's the way I found to cope at one age. 
And and it worked. I mean, it worked. <clears throat> yeah, quote unquote. It, right, right. It worked. It worked great. I mean, a lot of I think a lot of a lot of young men who are sexually abused just kill themselves. That's it's in the stats, man. It's no joke. Right. So yeah. the fact that I found drugs still here, you know, yeah. it's uh, you know, it would have been nice to find a psychiatrist instead, but <laughs> yeah, but like we're all the three of us are all raising daughters. You guys have sons. We're having these conversations, not just for us, but we're having them for them too, right? Yeah. We're 100%. We're doing everything we can to, first of all, fight our own shit, fight our own battles, fight our own demons, but also yeah. keep our eyes open about what we need to do, not to protect them from everything. We just can't, unfortunately, but to yeah. be there when things come their way, honestly, and I, I hate to bring it back to this, but to be my dad in that moment, right? Yeah. To be a supportive and consistent and open enough parent that when yeah. something inevitably does happen to our kids someday, yeah. they can come to us, they know we're going to be there. And I mean, that's... A big part of why, I mean, I was a feminist. I think I came out of the womb a feminist. Um, I think by all accounts, that's just been the vibe. But having a daughter has like really reinforced that any sort of change that I try and implement in the world, whether that's like on the boards that I sit on, um, or if it's the work I do with the sexual assault response team, um, it's not just for like what I'm, it's not just for my existence. It's for whatever I'm leaving behind for my daughter to grow up in, you know, like that's an important True enough. Very true, right? And I just, it's its funny that you bring up that moment with dad and that, that you want to be the parent that dad was to you, right? Yeah. He's expressed to me how like his, like one of his biggest regrets or like challenges that he struggles with now <clears throat> is that I couldn't like cry and crawl up into his arms and just tell him what happened to me. Yeah, well, I had one less barrier and that one less barrier for me was gender. Yeah. Right. I yeah. I was pre I was set up to be a person who was allowed to cry in my dad's arms or a parent's arms, let's say. Yeah. And maybe in some like I felt like it was honestly like kind of revolutionary that it was my dad and not my mom or not my friend. Yeah. You know, it was my dad. But not yeah. that I cried. That to me was never the part. It was the fact of who I cried to. For yeah. you guys, it would be the chance to be able to cry at all. And hopefully, you yeah. know, a generation back. I mean, was dad ever allowed to cry? I wonder that oh. all the time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, just knowing that and, and like knowing that I felt I couldn't and like yeah. think, hopefully will make me a better parent and then sharing that message will make more people better parents and like. And just better people, right? You don't have to have yeah. an offspring to fucking fix some of these things, right? And keep your eye yeah. out and, and that sort of thing. But like, James, like you, uh, like go having gone through what you went through and and uh, like feeling like maybe you couldn't tell anyone like that's you've like you've been like a fucking rebel of society and rebel against the patriarchy by having these conversations. It's huge. It's a huge deal. So many people never, ever, ever talk about it and yeah. you're doing it. And I just think that's like bold as fuck and incredible and just like so worth acknowledging because it like sends chills down my spine and makes me feel like all the work I've done in that area without even knowing has served yeah. a real purpose because now you and I are able to talk about things and yeah. disclose, you know, some difficult conversations like that. I just think it's, I don't want to say amazing because it's such a dark thing and such a sad thing that you went through, but I think you're yeah. amazing 
for these conversations. Thank you. Thank you very much. I second that. I second that. I think we we talk a lot about like um, how these conversations will be perceived when it comes to like strong men versus weak men. And like, there's a huge oh, yeah. fear today that, you know, the generations are raising soft, soft men. Um, and I just think that like, it's such bullshit because the, from my opinion, I look at it the exact opposite. I think like being able to express yourself and talk about these things is like one of the strongest things you can do. And I think Absolutely. that when, when people, men specifically, but um, when anyone bottles up their emotions, um, all they're doing is they're like, they're adding fractures to their core and they're making themselves weaker and weaker and weaker because something's going to put them over the edge. Um, them not talking is going to lead to something, whether it's alcohol abuse, drug abuse, like spousal abuse, mm -hmm. um, suicide. suicide, like yeah. anything. Um, so the people that aren't sharing their, like their feelings and their vulnerabilities are creating like a weaker core for themselves. And the people who are sharing are realizing that like, by talking to other people, by talking to other men and, and, and getting that stuff off your chest, like that shit makes you stronger, like a hundred percent. And, yeah. and it's I, to be not, I don't want to say like admired, but like it, I've truly, I feel like there's hearing it myself as a woman. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that factors into you guys wanting to be vulnerable or not, but like, I feel that you two are strong for talking about it. There's not a minute in this conversation where I've had even like a second of thinking like, that's a little weak, like not even mm. once. So yeah, certainly well, that, not that was important part. That was important for us to get across that, that you didn't find us weak. It wasn't oh. a weak trait, but I, I think this entire conversation is like, just like, a definition of what it means to be a strong man these days. I read this, I was listening to a podcast, not to shout out another podcast. Um, can't even remember the name now, but they have this great question. They said like, what, what is a man? Define a man. And, mm -hmm. you know, you get buzzwords of like strong protector or, you know, like uh, win at all costs or like some stereotypical stuff. If you're thinking like, think of like a Marvel cap, Captain America type bullshit. Right. Then if you, someone asks the question, what is a good man? Mm. all the words change and that's fucking weird because why isn't the the mm. typical word of man not associated with good man like shouldn't those be one in the same that's so interesting that is very interesting yeah, yeah we should be rewarding the beautiful good qualities of good men and being <laughs> vulnerable is one of those there's yeah. lots more but that's a big one <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely and you you know you can be the the strongest person around and for for whatever like whatever you think is like a defining strong quality um but you can be vulnerable every now and then and that just will make you stronger and stronger like it's yeah. there's a <laughs> there's a quote uh, i'm gonna butcher it for sure but it's like a <laughs> macho macho man randy savage was on a was on a talk show like fucking years ago and um, he's asked like the, and you know how we always talk in the third person, but they're like, they're like, does macho man, um, ever cry? And he's like, oh yeah. He's like, I've cried a thousand times and I'll cry a thousand more. He's like, it's not, it's not about whether I cry or whether I don't cry. It's about getting up and like getting the work done. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Like 
it has nothing to do with whether or not you can like share your emotions and have feelings. It's about like yeah, you're not how you participate. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's just it's the funniest thing from like fucking macho man Randy Savage, you know? Yeah. Oh, I cry a thousand times. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm gonna cry a thousand more. Yeah. And like all the strong men in my life that I can like think about, they all cry. Yeah. Yeah. Any Same. any people or like men that I admire have not, you know, have have cried in front of me. Yeah. That's just a reality. So Yeah, and, cr- and I, crying is one tiny aspect of it, but oh, it just for goodness sake, it shows yeah. the ability to like be vulnerable and like yeah. This last year was like pretty rough for our family and I've seen a lot of men cry like a lot of times and like and thankfully my children have been around to witness that and we haven't like fully we haven't shielded them from any of that so they've yeah. seen a lot of grown men cry and they deserve like, you absolutely yeah. that's something that like yeah I, I certainly want my son to know that he's allowed to cry um and you want your but, your daughter to know what a good man looks like yeah hopefully yeah I mean, who knows absolutely. also i did want to I did want to preface this earlier and I completely forgot this conversation sounds so binary because we're just talking about like men and women. But I did want to say like, when I refer to the patriarchy, you know, the patriarchy excludes everyone from wellness. And a huge part of that is the LGBTQ community massively excluded from, from benefiting from that kind of um, societal structure. So when I'm talking about like being emotionally vulnerable and it's better for all of society, I I mean that for everyone. I think the biggest struggle facing that is, I mean, your demographic, the demographic I'm talking to right now. Um, but yeah, like, I think I, I just want to make it super, super clear from my standpoint as a feminist, what I believe feminism is, it needs to be inclusive of everyone needs to be acknowledging, um, where, um, the patriarchy hasn't served you, but also where it hasn't served people of different color, people of different identities. Like that's just, that's just the fact. Um, but just where we're talking about men's feelings and I'm a woman, this feels like the natural progression for this conversation. And I'm sure in the future, you guys will have LGBTQ, um, people on the podcast. Um, and I just want to very, very, very vocally, uh, show my support for that community and make it extremely clear that if you talk to a feminist who doesn't back that they're not a feminist and i'm talking to you jk rowling you absolute (laughs) (laughs) no i let me down (laughs) i uh you know i'm glad you i'm glad you brought that up because i i noticed that as we're we're talking we're also three white people um, right it has to be acknowledged yeah talking in a room um and I think it's our responsibility to have this conversation with everyone, um, which is why like our third guest is you, uh, a woman who's a, a feminist. So I think it's important for us to acknowledge that and to also acknowledge and talk with as many people about this and get everyone's perspectives on it. Yeah. Um, because I don't, I, I think that, I think that talking about feelings and talking about um, mental health is something that in certain groups comes more naturally and certain groups doesn't. And I don't know what that's like in the LGBTQ community. I just, I don't, I don't know whether or not trans people face, face that issue as well. Um, I have no idea. I know like why we're having this conversation because in my world, that was something that was not easy to do. And I know in Jamie's world, it wasn't easy to do. Um, So and yeah, I mean, I'm sure people are gonna. Yeah, and I, I guess one issue, thing but... I would, 
I would want to say to, to your listeners who are out there, especially like if you're a woman like me or a straight woman and you're in a relationship, you know, if your partner takes the time to be vulnerable with you, if they overcome that barrier that we've been talking about, or, you know, knock a brick out of the wall, or like Jamie said, you know, take a little bit of that lens down. Um, don't weaponize it. It's so easy to have that reaction or to hold that against someone later on. Honor their feelings the same way you would your best girlfriend. You know, acknowledge the difficulty they've gone through um, to even make that. Thank them for sharing. I find that can go a long, long way. And if they have the ability at some point to tell you, like, if you, I mean, people fight. If you say something hurtful and they say that hurt me, take a beat. Don't question their hurt feelings and say, you know, that, that wasn't my intention. I'm sorry. Or, you know what? You're right. You've made a good point. I think I went a little too, too far there. That's my bad. You know, not everything needs to be a, a pushback. If I'm asking men to be less defensive, we need to do that ourselves too, as partners. Um, you know, it's, it's, you guys are talking about like, uh, friendships between men. Yeah. I just want to acknowledge that as a, as a woman in a, like a, relationship us women out there listening need to be supporting this kind of conversation as well we need to be supporting our um partners having strong male friendships and reward um not reward that's not the right word but just you know be cognizant of their Mm. barriers that Mm. the patriarchy that society has put in place and uh, and do everything we can to help them you know like i said like knock a brick out of the wall yeah I really appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, it it brings me back to like one of the very first questions you asked, which is like how how would you approach either a friend or a partner um, who isn't sh- who isn't asking or yeah. who isn't being vulnerable? Um, and I think maybe there's a way to like take a brick out of that wall yourself um, with what we talked about with like the Jamie. Can we call it the non non-confrontational? non-computational like uh, approach um by saying like i feel like you might need you might have something you want to share with me and i don't know if that would work but i think like in a friendship like um i'm just i'm thinking of like a male friendship like reaching out to friends and just saying like you know we haven't talked in a while and i just want to like let you know that there's anything you ever anything you ever want to share with me i'm here for you so taking the taking the opportunity to sort of open that door see if there's any interest and just let people know that and i don't yeah. know that might that may be horseshit no no I, I think that's you know making yourself available like that that was one of your greatest like gifts to me toper was that you were always available you know like there there were no terms and conditions for our friendship so when i needed you you were you, like you were there and you always let me know that you were there um you never and like one of the things you just said was i think you have you know maybe you could say i think you have something you need to tell me or something i wouldn't go that route i would just mm-hmm. say i'm there right you know and when let just let people know you're there and and when they come if they come just be judgment free and and uh yeah just try and be a big old magoo yeah <laughs> be there yeah Hold your person, tell them it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate to be the one to do this too, but I have to go pick up my daughter. No, it's all good. Uh, we, fair enough. We ran for a long time and it did feel like the natural conclusion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should we preface it first? <laughs> uh, <laughs> did, Rachel, thank you. 
so much. Really happy to be a, here and, yeah. and uh, talk is over with you guys. Yeah. You know, sometimes it feels really, like a peek really behind cool. the curtain. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And likewise, I mean, I've, I've known you for a long time, but we've never connected I'm about. Not sure, I understand. Now watch you talking to me. Uh, we've never connected like this before uh, about this stuff. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you for yeah, listening. No problem. I think that's because, asking. yeah, a lot of the time when we were younger, you and Jamie were just hitting me with buoys. Yeah. Um, so wasn't a lot of room for discussion about feelings and emotions, but because I was seven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're too, but, too busy uh, singing all star. I'm I'm really glad yeah. you guys uh, haven't, you know, done that in a while. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And I really look forward to hearing where you guys take this. And I really just want to emphasize that every single conversation you guys have like this is just a sign of your strength. Thank and you. to keep that in mind. Thank you, Rachel. Really appreciate it. Hey. Keep keep being a fantastic advocate for people everywhere. I'm gonna do my best. <laughs> I um, love you, Rachel. Love you, James. I love uh, you, Rachel. <laughs> love you, Tober. <laughs> love you too, Tope. Love you, Jamie. Right. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.